Welcome to Permission to Thrive. I'm your host, Susie Lula. As a spiritual therapist for over 20 years, I have the honor and privilege of ushering women and mothers just like you on a journey from simply surviving to powerfully thriving. I also have the honor of raising our son, Will, who is now a young adult with my longtime partner, Jamie. So I'm right there on the journey with you. Consider this your personal sanctuary, your space to meet your heart, embrace your messy, and come home to your most authentic, extraordinary self. My hope is that you leave resourced and inspired because you are here to shine. Welcome to Permission to Thrive. Welcome, my Thrivers. Today's episode is very special. It's near and dear to my heart. It is for anyone who is on a healing journey and interested in living your most thriving life. I can't wait for you all to experience my guest, Jasmine Sufer. Jasmine is a 29-year-old visual artist based in Los Angeles. She is inspired by nature, emotional processing, and music. Jasmine is training to be a certified soul care coach in my spiritual psychology program with the intention of assisting healing through creative expression and deep self-love. Who does not want that? As part of my young adult series, it's important for me, it's my passion to hear from our next generation and give them a voice. So whether you're a mother yourself or you are remothering the younger parts of yourself, my conversation with Jasmine is here to assist your healing. In this beautifully raw, real, and vulnerable conversation, Jasmine and I talk about how we are all born sensitive beings. Jasmine talks about her own journey of sobriety and why learning to be with emotional pain is so important and how to learn to befriend emotional and uncomfortable emotions in order to heal and live a truly thriving life. Why learning to be with emotional pain is so important and how to learn to befriend uncomfortable emotions in order to heal and live a truly thriving life. We talk about why self-love is such an integral part of thriving and some specific, easy self-love practices. I feel so proud of this episode. Jasmine is full of wisdom, as you will hear. I was literally riveted to her every word and sitting on the edge of my seat, listening to her. I know that you will receive so much value from this conversation. So please sit back, relax, maybe get a journal, a cup of tea. This is your time, your sanctuary, your space. This time is for you. Enjoy. So welcome, Jasmine. I'm so happy to have you. Just for everyone listening, I wanted to also say that you, Jasmine, are the daughter of our dear friends. So I have had the pleasure and honor and privilege of getting to know you as you've grown up throughout your life and now have the pleasure of getting to know you as the young adult 
that you are. I know you to be wise beyond your years, and you're enrolled in my Spiritual Psychology Academy, becoming certified as a soul care coach. And I admire that at such a young age, you are so invested in not only your own personal growth, but also to assisting others on their path through what you've learned in your life. So I can't wait for everyone to experience you. I'm so deeply grateful for your willingness to come on and share with everyone. I, you know, I'm passionate about hearing from our children, our teens, our young adults. You're part of my young adult series. I'm really passionate about giving children, teens, young adults a voice. I don't think that our culture, I know that our culture doesn't give enough voice to younger individuals. So for many, many reasons, I'm deeply grateful to have you here. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. So let's just dive right in. You know, my podcast is called Permission to Thrive. So I'm interested, what does thrive mean to you when you hear that word? Thrive to me means, it means living authentically to who you are, to your values, um, staying connected with yourself. And I would say reaping, I think thriving comes from that, um, reaping the benefits that is feeling like you're living a thriving life rather than just surviving. I think I personally often feel like I'll catch myself in surviving mode, you know, acting on my my emotions and kind of feeling like everything's a little bit too much. And so thriving would be having a continuous practice, whatever that looks like for you, integrating soul care, going inside, and then having that kind of show up and manifest outwardly. Mm, Exactly. I love that. And I'm so interested to hear maybe a little more about your journey, because you mentioned the word and the quality of authenticity. And that quality has been a real journey for me to grow into living my life and being courageous enough to live my life authentically. So I'm interested about your journey around authenticity. And also you mentioned about the discernment between surviving and thriving and being able to really discern that and get yourself back over onto the thriving side. So anything that you want to share about that? Yeah. So, um, to your first, what was the first question? Sorry. Just about, no, not at all. Just about, I see as a host (laughs) learning, one must ask one question (laughs) at a time. It becomes very helpful for the guests, but one at a time. I'm always so afraid I'm going to forget the second question and then write them down. (laughs) So back to the first question. I'm so interested in hearing about your journey with authenticity. Mm. And was it always easy for you? Has it been a journey for you? Anything that you would like to elaborate around that? Yeah, I would say one of the biggest things for me in terms of authenticity is um, choosing, making the decision to truly believe that it's okay and actually 
beneficial that I'm so sensitive as I am and choosing to authentically embody my sensitivity and find ways to thrive in a sensitive state of being. Because to me, there's no escaping that I'm sensitive. Well, I guess there's escaping. It's more of a numbing, but it would be more of just putting guards up, putting walls up and kind of being defensive and really surviving, pushing things away and grabbing onto other things and kind of that desperate energy. Um, Being authentic to me is really embodying my sensitivity and finding ways to use it to my advantage and experience life with an open heart, which, you know, means you get hurt more, but it also means that you feel bliss and beauty and meaning and really all that is thriving Mm -hmm. all the more as well. Wow. That's incredible. And you mentioned the word sensitivity. I know you to be a very sensitive woman. We share that. I'm very sensitive. So I'm interested in that, your journey around your relationship with your own sensitivity. Yeah. So I think it was the hardest relationship in my life for most of my life so far. I'm 30, almost 30 now. So um, I would say up until I was about 25, I was really battling with my sensitivity as if, you know, it was me against myself in a sense. Um, I think it was because our culture subtly and not so subtly can create a lot of shame around being a deep feeling human. Um, being sensitive to the world can make it feel like living is a little bit harder. Um, I would look at people who seemed like they didn't get affected by things so much. And I would almost wish I were like that. Um, But my, my experience has been once I started hearing the wisdom coming from you, coming from Brene Brown, coming from these wisdom teachers that I try to expose myself to um, Glennon Doyle. I mean, I could go on everybody talking about how sensitivity can be strength and how, it actually is strength as in itself. Um, that started to open my mind to the idea that it's okay. Not only is it okay to be sensitive, but it's actually a gift. Mm-hmm. And I'm going into the world of coaching um, as a soul care coach certified by you. And I don't think I would be able to help anyone mm-hmm. if I wasn't really truly living in my sensitivity every day. And navigating through every day as a sensitive being and really, really working on not putting up walls and not avoiding that Mm. tender part of myself, that open part of myself. Mm. This just speaks to me so deeply, Jasmine, and I'm I'm in awe of you that as a 29-year-old woman that you have created already such a beautiful relationship with your sensitivity because i believe that we are all sensitive beings every single one of us Mm -hmm. even the individuals that you are alluding to that seem like they just can handle things so well you know we're born onto this earth as these sensitive tender fragile but strong infants and um we're we're open we're open-hearted we're 
we're not guarded, we're undefended. And it's only culture and conditioning that teaches us to get guarded and armored, right? Through through real traumatic experiences and, and different experiences. But I deeply appreciate that at your young age, you have been able to create a relationship where you are not only connecting with your sensitivity, but you're actually valuing it and you're seeing it as one of your valuable qualities in assisting other individuals as a soul care coach. Um, something that we do talk about very deeply in the course, in the certification. And I know for myself, being a sensitive individual on my own journey to coming into, I, I say now that my sensitivity is actually my superpower. Mm -hmm. Because it is the very thing that keeps me, I have such intimate, close, deep relationships because of the sensitivities. So, but it has been a journey for me. So all of that was to say deep bow to you. And it, it really leads me to another question. I'm just so interested in your journey growing up these past, you know, 10, 15 years. I know that in the past year or so you chose to get sober and I'm interested to hear what led you up to that anything that you want to share because i just think individuals your age and and the parents of individuals your age and those of us remothering ourselves you mm -hmm. know be really interested in how you navigated that journey yeah great question um i would say that my the timeline of my um, experience as a sensitive human up until now being a um, 19 months sober human was really it was based around being a sensitive person being a child who was very sensitive I think that even with the most loving committed parents because it's really no one's fault we're all in the same society I felt so loved and cradled by my parents. And even with that, I don't think I really learned how to regulate my emotions or nurture myself, even though I'm being shown how to be nurtured by another. I think I went through the world waiting for someone to rescue me from my own, I call it pain. And I don't mean that lightly or darkly. <laughs> it's just emotional pain is a certain kind of pain. Um, I think I felt everything very deeply from a young age and it, instead of really knowing how to love and care for myself, I went down a path of beginning as a child using food as a comfort mm -hmm. and almost an escape. It was a band-aid, I guess you could say. And then as I got older, I had some self-harming behaviors as a preteen. As a teen, I started um, having eating disorders, you know, more of a restricting and purging and things that are very hard on your body. Um, and just using a lot of substances to soothe myself. And it was almost like if I can use this substance and when it's in my body, I no longer feel so much that must be the solution, <laughs> you know? 
And so I kind of went through my adolescence and my early adulthood um, in addiction. In um, I was functioning, and I'm not sure if you could see it from the outside, um, but internally, there was a private life between me and myself where I was using little things to make myself not feel so much. And I think you can use relationships. um, You can use anything for that, even TV. So what happened for me was throughout my 20s, I gradually, and I think it's important to say this because a lot of processes of recovery and healing in any domain, not just addiction, happen gradually. Even if you're conscious or not conscious, it's a gradual process. So I gradually throughout my 20s would quit different substances and behaviors. Um, I recovered from eating disorders over a long span of about six years it took me. Um, I quit certain substances when I was 20. Then when I was 22, I quit another one. I quit alcohol at one point. I quit cigarettes. I was quitting all the things that I was addicted to. And I got to a point um, in my later 20s where I was still actively using cannabis. It was my last, not vice, but it was my last substance, my last band-aid to between me and being a fully embodied, sensitive being. Um, and so when I met my partner, um, my fiance, Zachary, he he was interested in my um more wholesome lifestyle that I had adapted into. And he was not using cannabis. And I kind of looked at myself and went, I think I'm also addicted to this because I know they don't say it's addictive, but I'm sure using it that way because I have to even think about not using it. Um, And so I decided to be sober, almost like, let's try this because if I quit this, I'm fully sober for the first time since I was in like eighth grade. (laughs) So I decided to become sober. It took me eight months before I um, sought support to maintain my sobriety. Mm. And I think that being sensitive and being sober is not to toot my own horn, but quite heroic and brave. And anyone in the world who is a sensitive, which I think everyone's sensitive, a sensitive, sober person is, especially with a spiritual path or a recovery program of some kind, is actively working to find healthy ways to deal with feelings and uncomfortable states of being that come up just as being as part of being a person in a very big sensory world. Mm. Yes, exactly. I mean, I'm literally on the edge of my seat and my heart is so full of gratitude for your willingness to be so transparent and so open. And I'm just thinking about anyone listening right now. I hope that your willingness, Jasmine, to share your journey is assisting those of us who are listening to you right now, I'm deeply grateful. You said so many gems, starting with that we are each and all 
living in such a highly sensory world. So mm -hmm. whether you consider yourself sensitive or not, we are all living in a, in a highly sensory world. You also, at the beginning, were saying that this is no one's fault. And I appreciate that, that this is not here to find blame or judgment with a parent, with a society. There, this is here because we are all, as you said, living in the same culture, which is highly sensory. And so I think we are each and all to differing degrees, learning how to navigate a journey of being a spiritual, soulful, you know, sensitive being in a highly sensory world. And I, I also heard you say you were looking for the, your journey with creating a relationship with emotional pain. And I want to highlight that because certainly our culture, this highly sensory culture, is part of what tells us overtly, covertly, don't feel your feelings. Resist mm -hmm. your feelings. And I say this all the time, but part of it is because of capitalism. And if you don't feel your feelings, to your exact journey and point. If you are someone who has a challenge sitting with that which is uncomfortable, which our culture tells you, you shouldn't even have those uncomfortable feelings, then what are you going to do? You're going to purchase cannabis. You're going to restrict yourself eating. You're gonna overeat. You're gonna undereat. You're going to do all the things you're going to buy that next pair of shoes that you think are gonna make you feel better. It's all consumer driven so that we are taught, look externally, and you also mentioned relationships. Look to your outer, look to your partner, look to your relationship. Oh, if I could only be in a relationship, then it would be better. Oh, if I could only get out of this relationship, then it would be better. It's also externally oriented. And I'm, I'm just deeply appreciating that at such a young age, you have created such an internal journey for yourself. So I know I just reflected back to you what you just said, but anything that you want to share before I before I go on around that, anything around your journey? Yeah, it was just a couple of things that came to mind. One was, I think, something that we all really need in this world, no matter how old you are, is a healthy plan for how can you, based on your personal needs, emotionally process in a way that you feel safe. Mm -hmm. And I think when I work with people one-on-one -on -one and in groups, I really, I really want to cater to individual needs on, on how that process looks. Um, I just think that's one of the most important kind of missing skills um, that humanity needs each individual and as a whole. Yeah. You mentioned this quality of safety. We speak a lot mm -hmm. about that quality in soul care, in the coaching certification, because I too agree with you that the common denominator for healing is safety. And culture doesn't really create the, the feeling that we are safe to feel 
that which is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I know a lot of parents with their kids, if the parent hasn't been taught that it's safe to process their own emotions, then, you know, much as they would like to be a safe space for their children, they don't embody the safety for themselves and therefore their child isn't going to feel the safety. So we talk a lot about how creating safety is a feeling, it's an energy, it's a desire to feel empathy and compassion. Also, safety is what it's not. Safety isn't needing to fix. It's the knowing that there isn't anything to fix. So for anyone listening, let's just say you might be a parent or you yourself might be on your own journey of addiction and reaching to the outside for substances or external things. And you're learning how to create safety for yourself to feel these deeper emotions. I think we start with, there's nothing to fix within your child, within yourself, there's a whole being there. And so my question to you is early on, when you were a deep feeler and you didn't necessarily experience and feel that safety, what did you most need from someone on the outside? Or was there something, because you also mentioned needs, was there something that you needed, could have used, would have been helpful to you on your journey with feeling emotional pain? Hmm. So the first thing that comes to mind is a little more vague, I guess, but it's related, which is when I go within and I do inner child work, I connect with myself at different phases of my life, including being a teenager, which is a very childlike, but also adult-like mixed up phase of life. Yes. I go, I ask her what she needs. And I think what I needed and what I need now when I get triggered back to that younger self is almost like the energy and the sensation of a big, soft mother who's warm and calm, who comes wraps her arms around me and while I'm suffering and says, it's okay that you're suffering. I'm not afraid of you. And I know it feels like you're drowning, but you're not going to drown. Like almost like this too shall pass, (laughs) but not in a way that kind of discredits the experience. It's like this will pass and it's okay that it's happening. (laughs) Because I think when, when I feel emotionally worked up or really upset or in my darkness, it feels like, it feels almost like if I start to feel shame, if I start to feel triggered to the part of me that feels shame, if I start to feel like I'm not enough, I'm doing something bad by being upset, I'm burdensome to people around me. What I need is to remind myself now that I'm an adult. And maybe when I was young, someone external or even me myself that'd be pretty cool to remind myself that it's okay to be having a big big feeling mm-hmm. and i think i see a lot of parents with young children and i want to start by saying parents are 
amazing and everyone's doing their best. But something I observe is a young child gets very loud and upset. And I experienced this with my dog. He's very loud. And when they get really loud, I get triggered. And then all of a sudden I'm trying to quiet down the part of me that's upset by trying to quiet the little being who's at a stage in their development where they're they're expressive. And that's pretty awesome, honestly. If you're an adult and you can fully express your emotions, that is that is a very, very healthy thing. Of course, in a way that doesn't harm others, but letting it out. I really believe emotions are like they go through the digestive system of your consciousness and your body Mm -hmm. and fully going through the process of digesting or like birthing them and then coming out. I think I've kind of gone off track, but that's what came up for me when you asked that question. Well, I love it so much. And it goes back to what you said. I so appreciate, and for anyone listening who are parents, I so appreciate that you continually say no one is at fault. And I think that that is a a kernel and at the heart of healing because until and unless we first of all see that there is no one and no thing at fault here, we will stay stuck in the self-judgment that will not allow us to heal with the other individual. So I appreciate that three times today, you have basically said in different ways and forms, it's no one's fault. And it is no one's fault. We are all doing the best we can. And as we've both alluded to, we live in a culture that does not support the creation of safety around emotional pain that's segregated. There's emotional pain. It is to be kept in the closet. Certainly, we don't go around talking about, oh, you know, last year I was reaching for substances and I we just it is not a part of the language of our culture, which it should be. And which is why I'm so deeply grateful for this conversation, because I'm thirsty for these conversations. I am hungry for these conversations to out us so that we can all learn to be better equipped to be with ourselves and each other. So first, I love that you continually allude to no fault. And then you said a couple of really key things. What I think I heard you say was what you really could have used was like this big, warm, cuddly mama bear who would cuddle you and sit and, and be spacious enough to say, I'm right here for you feel all your big feelings. They don't scare me. I'm right here for you. You may feel like you're drowning, but you're not. I could literally just cry right now. I like literally cannot hold back my tears right now. So many different reasons. As a mother and thinking of any mother who might be listening right now, who so wants to be that for their child, because I know that I know that mothers want to be this for their children. We are just ill-equipped, which is why we're doing this podcast. Mm -hmm. So, you know, first of all, to hear you so articulately share exactly what would have assisted you to be wrapped in someone's arms, just hearing those words and 
feeling the feeling of someone who is not triggered by your big feelings. That we obviously talk a lot about that in, in my soul care certification, because that's what we're seeking to do. We're seeking to expand our own relationship with our own emotional pain so that we can sit with the emotional pain of another. So you so beautifully articulated that. I hope anyone listening will be able to take that and use that because another way of reflecting back to you, what I think you're saying is that you weren't needing anyone to fix what you were feeling. You were needing someone to hold what you were feeling. I also think something important to remember, whether you're a mother of a child or you're just a human being remothering yourself or just trying to function, honestly, I think that it's really easy to put this emphasis on make sure you make time for this and make time for that and do all this work and then you'll be a successful person. I think if you're a person who's listening to this and you work an insane amount of hours because you have to survive in this world and support your family, you literally only have the time in the shower when you're taking a two-minute shower, that's your only time for yourself. That is enough if all you do every day is just touch yourself on the chest in the shower and say, good job. I love you. You're doing a great job. That is enough in itself. I think that's a really important thing to remember because with all of this self-growth media that we get exposed to, especially if we're actively exposed to it, it can feel like shaming, like, well, I'm not doing all these things that everyone's doing and I'm not doing Montessori parenting or whatever people think is the best way to do everything. As long as you're doing one little thing, even once a week, whatever you're doing is enough and it, everything builds on itself. I think that's the most important thing that I want to say right now. It just came, wow. came to me. <laughs> it's just brilliant what you're saying. I mean, we could have a whole episode on that. What you're saying is, it, well, Anyone listening now, can you see why I wanted everyone to meet Jasmine? <laughs> because literally, if your only takeaway today is that when you get in the shower later today or tomorrow, like Jasmine's saying, for that 30-second shower, you know, that you're in and out and you put your hand on your heart and you say, good job, I see you, I'm with you, like good on you for what you are doing what you can do i yes you know yes yes and yes again if this is your only takeaway that is enough because as you're saying one thing builds upon another and again our culture teaches us you know if you're not doing everything and journaling for an hour and meditating for 45 minutes and <laughs> then journaling after you meditate and then you know yes so i'm i'm appreciating that i'm also appreciating again how articulate you were, you gave individuals listening actual words to say to yourself in the shower. So you're articulating, I have a course, an online course called Learning the Language of Self-Compassion. And what you're doing so beautifully is you're articulating what self-compassion sounds like, what it feels like. And that is something that in our culture, like you said, we're so inundated with media and reels that can only be 90 seconds and TikTok that is even shorter that, you know, there are these little sound bites of things and self-compassion 
is the way that our soul wants to speak to each other. And we want to experience that the depths and the intimacy and the connection, at least I do, you know, and so I love that. And I appreciate that you are that are you, you're giving the, the language here. So thank you. I, I have so many questions I could ask you. But one comes to mind, we've talked a lot about your own individual journey. And I'm so interested in your thoughts about individuals, both your age and you alluded to teens. You also alluded to yourself when you were young as a highly sensitive child. So I'm so interested in your thoughts on what do you think is at the heart of this mental health crisis that I believe is happening out there? You mentioned one thing, hang on one second. You mentioned that you yourself kept a lot of your pain inside of yourself. That, and you also said that you aren't even aware of whether others could even know that you were using substances, abusing substances because you were functioning. And I think that speaks so profoundly when we look at many of the younger kids today. And so there is a crisis. I think kids, we look at them and we don't know the pain that's going on within them. And I'm interested if you would want to speak to any of that. Hmm. There's a few things I could say, and I'll, I'll say the first thing and preface it by saying, I think this is not the whole problem. It's not the whole root cause of all of this. Um, but I will say that I personally believe from my experience as a person in this modern age that there is a bit to do with um, continuous exposure to, I would say, just our phones and then beyond that to um, social media and just the active, for example, when I'm, if I scroll on Instagram, which is actually something I try not to do, I try to log on post messages off, you know, but if I do start scrolling, I notice that what happens is I'll see something. I have a, my body begins to have a reaction like, oh, that's so cute. Oh, how heartfelt. Oh my God. That's a really upsetting issue. I didn't even know that was happening. Like, oh, that person said that that's terrible. Something comes up. And then before I have time to even feel it, even have a complete thought about it in reaction to it, I'm on to the next thing. And it becomes a cycle where every time I have a micro, I call it a micro emotion, I'm having all these micro emotions of going, no, not that emotion. No, not that emotion. Okay, that one was good. Let's see if there's more of that one. And you're just, it's a, I think it's a, it trains our brains and our bodies to start to feel uncomfortable and move on quick. And I think that's kind of the opposite of fully embodying our emotions. So I think in terms of, I don't think that's everything. And I know it's a really common thing that people talk about, but I would say that I personally believe when I limit myself to exposure to that kind of experience, a sensory experience like that, I am able to be 
patiently, fully digesting and birthing all of these emotions that come up for me. Sometimes I'll practice if I do start looking at someone, something comes up and I turn my phone, I put my phone down and I go, whoa, I'm having a really big feeling about that. And I think it's really important for the young people in my generation and all around this age range and younger to find ways to expose themselves. I think nature is a huge tool that I utilize. Expose yourself to a really different experience than that often enough that your system balances out. I'm not saying you need to delete Instagram and not participate in this global culture. I'm just saying practice mindfulness when you're doing that and notice, do I want to just why don't I just sit in this line to get coffee and maybe just think, oh, I think I'm having a bad day. Now that I'm with myself, I can notice I'm having a hard time. I think that the greater problem or issue underlying everything comes with the way all these little things that we do every day. And I think that it goes hand in hand with emotional regulation and processing skills. I'm really interested in emotional processing. I think it's the most important thing for people to learn. Mm-hmm. And I just think if if young people in pain are able to be gifted wisdom and really, you know, almost tactile, just really useful, practical, easy ways to take care of their emotional self and process things fully and integrate just enough mindfulness, like that two minutes in the shower. Or I used to go in the, in the bathroom at parties when I was young and meditate (laughs) Mm. because I needed, I would start feeling out of whack and I would need to come back to myself. I I do the same thing, even as a grown adult, I've literally been at your house at parties in your bathroom, (laughs) like just centering myself because I get sensitive to even when it's great, big energy around me and it's great energy and the, the parties at your house are always great energy, but you know, I, I'm just relating to you. Um, to this day, I take small moments to just center and recenter. Yeah. Is what I, think. I think that's really important. And I also think there's something, there's something to be said for people because I've had this experience a lot in my life being, feeling like I've had a lot of moments when I was a bit younger and hadn't really dove in headfirst to this growth where I would go, oh my goodness, I don't feel love for myself. Where is this connection? Mm. When am I going to show up for myself, Mm. advocate for myself, love myself the way that I want everyone else to love me? Mm. And it took me getting to a rock bottom place like that in my life at one point that I decided some things need to change. Um, And part of that was taking a period of time to not have a love interest and to fully focus on falling in love with myself. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that sometimes you have to fake it till you make it. I would play Sade songs and hold myself and cry because I was trying to reconnect with like a romantic, deep, 
fully embodied self-love. Mm. And sometimes I think going back to taking one step at a time, and this also relates to youth because I wish I did this when I was young. And if I can raise my children to learn practices of self-love, I think it comes before self-care for me. I had to learn self-love to learn self-care, to learn soul care. It, it's a it's a process. Um, so if you can do one little thing that is loving to yourself until it start until you can feel it, you know, you always taught us if in um your soul care coaching class that if we could not look at a picture of our child self and feel anything, it's okay. Look at any child or just keep trying to look at it. It's all little gradual steps. I think if you're a young person child, teenager, in your 20s, any of those big, big, big moments of big feelings. The most important, important thing is emotional regulation skills, emotional processing processes, and also finding a way to almost like you're dating yourself. Start off soft, but finding a way to find love for yourself and even if you have to imagine that you're someone else and talk to yourself in a loving way, I don't think anyone's teaching that to teenagers. I, I could not agree more. And I had an epiphany when you were sharing, you know, you started around social media. I, I personally love what you said. You said um, that you, with social media, you can start feeling uncomfortable and then move on quickly. And then the last thing you just said, which really ties these two things together is, this epiphany I had was thinking about young children, teenagers, young adult, adults, do we really feel the quality of self-love? Do we really feel what that feels like? And so I'd like to leave everyone with a couple of options and I like practical tangibles. So I know that you and I both have like a small little, we have small little for anyone watching on YouTube, we each have, you have a bunny, I have a little beautiful bear. And we often, and you could use this with a child who is four years old, three years old, six years old, to have a, a small, stuffed animal i for anyone who's taken any of my classes and it, you you always know that i'm i'm encouraging you to have pictures of yourself and you spoke to this at different age stages especially young 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 you you know you when you were two four six when you can really learn to look at yourself and see innocence and also as you spoke to if you can't see that in your own photo find a photo of any infant, any young child, just go to a park and look at young children on a merry-go-round or on a swing set. There's so much humanity that will well up inside of us when we take the time to simply observe and experience and witness an actual young child or the eyes of, so the things that you're saying are so important. I hear you saying, Find the small moments that you don't need to take hours and go journal at a retreat, which is wonderful, but find 
um, I, 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 like a stuffed animal, find a photo of yourself, go to a park, look at a child and allow yourself to feel an experience inside of yourself that feels loving. Even if you have to fake it till you make it, you might not feel loving to yourself, but if you watch another child swinging on a swing, you may begin to feel what that feels like. You may start by feeling tremendous loss and sense of sadness that that was not your childhood and there was no one swinging you on that swing. And loss is another portal and bridge to self-love and the safety of just being with yourself in that. So all of this to come back to what you said so beautifully, Jasmine, which is you, I think you said your belief is that we need to really teach emotional regulation, emotional, I call it the emotional messenger system. There's many different ways to speak about it, but teaching ourselves how to be with the pain, because what I have learned in my life is that when I am courageous, and you said this earlier, I want to go back and allude to this. You said, I don't want to sound arrogant. You know, you said, I don't want to toot my own horn, but did you use the word brave? Heroic, there you used heroic. You said, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I feel heroic. And I wanted to shout, for, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I wanted to shout from the mountaintop, yes, it's such a heroic journey. It's such a courageous journey to simply be willing to be present with your uncomfortable emotions. And that is the key to healing an entire culture, an entire society, because when I can be comfortable with my own uncomfortable emotions, and you can be comfortable with your own uncomfortable emotions, then we can connect, right? And so I appreciate what you're saying about the heart of this potential healing is around emotional um, being with our uncomfortable emotions. And I'm wondering just as we close, is there anything, obviously on the show notes, I will have all the different ways I know that we're going to want to keep in touch with you. So many people are going to want to be in touch with you. So I will have on the show notes how we can be in touch with you. But is there anything else that you would like to share in closing? If you could just say anything about your journey, someone else's journey, give it to us. I would say do not underestimate the magnitude of being gentle with yourself even the most hardened tough defensive emotionally numb human being with one minute a day of gentleness with the self will start to feel a little bit safer every day I think that safety comes from within yourself one of the most profound things my sweet, loving, amazingly supportive, consistent mother did for me was when I was younger and I was going through a really hard time, I didn't know how unsafe I felt. And she wrote me an affirmation on a little index card and gave it to me in a very subtle way. And I looked at it and it said, I live in a safe world. 
And for a while, that was my only affirmation until it was just playing in my head throughout the day. And I would start to feel unsafe. And I would remember I live in a safe world. I live in a safe body. If my body gets really big, I'm still safe. If my body gets small, I'm safe. If I want to get to a place where, and this is kind of my continuous intention, is if the world was physically crumbling around me and I was just standing rooted, feeling safe. That's the mindset I want to be in. I want to be standing in the ocean. This is my favorite visualization I do. I'm standing right where the water hits about my hips and the ocean is just, the waves are crashing on me. And if I were not grounded, I would be falling and flailing, but my feet are just right in the sand and I'm standing totally stable like a mountain with all these waves crashing me and they don't, they don't make me fall down. And it's not to say don't feel the waves. It's to say I have a sense of knowing and a sense of love for myself that creates the safety that makes me feel like I won't be destroyed by the waves. Mm. Wow. (laughs) I'm just touched. I'm touched. I'm touched by everything that you said. I'll just reflect back also what you started this portion with. Please don't underestimate the power of being gentle with yourself. Please don't underestimate the power of being kind to yourself, feeling compassion, gentleness that can melt the most hardened places within us. So thank you so much. What a rich, incredible conversation. I've learned so much from you during this time. I can't wait to have you back. I know that everyone will want to have you back again. So I'm going to have to find book you on your calendar. But thank you very much sincerely from my heart to yours. I know that this has assisted so many people. And the very reason that I wanted to even do this podcast was to be able to make offerings like you to everyone. So thank you, Jazz. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Yeah, much love. And you. I'm in I'm in Jasmine's bubble right now. So I want to say, give yourself permission to thrive, everyone, <laughs> this week. Much love. I hope that you are leaving as inspired as I am. And if you are, I would so appreciate it if you would take the time to share this episode with someone in your life that you think would appreciate it. I also ask that you leave a five-star review because it will assist us to get these conversations out into the world and assist more people. And when you do, please email me at podcast at suzylula.com and I will send you a free video that I made for you to assist you to thrive in every area of your life. I deeply appreciate your listening. Thank you, Jasmine. Thank you everyone for listening and give yourself permission to thrive this week. Until next week, much love everyone.
Thank you so much for listening. If there was something in this conversation that spoke to you, we'd so appreciate it if you would take the time to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share this episode with women and mothers you know, because you are here to thrive. See you next time.